Welcome to the Iceman, a podcast sponsored by Tuned Up Custom Rods. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with our next episode, and this time we're going to be talking about a topic that everyone should be thinking about right now, and that's how do we get prepped for the upcoming ice season? Because there's a lot of work that has to get put into it. There's a lot more work. Um, I think the biggest thing that people don't realize, it's really to make a successful season, you need to be prepared. Um, as the old Boy Scout motto says, be prepared. And this is one of those seasons that if you take lightly, um, it, it can kick you in the butt. Absolutely. And I really believe that prepping for the next ice season really starts at the end of the last ice season. Yes. If you, case in point, don't put away your otter thermal hub away wet because you will open it up and it will smell like a wet sock for eternity. It's full of mold. It's gross. You got to, I mean, the, one of the biggest things I do is I wash all my canvas, dry them out, let them dry out in the sun for a couple of days, put everything back, put bounce dryer sheets and everything. So when you open it up, it smells just like it was washed yesterday. Yep. And for me, the biggest thing that I always really, really try to focus on is making sure that I got all of my rods, um, load off of them, take all the load off of the tips. I actually take the, the whole reel off. I got a... I got a wall mount this year uh, just to display the rods in my house just because I think they're kind of fun to look at. Um, but to fit them on there, I had to take, I had to take all the reels off. That, so That makes sense. Plus then, it, you know, you get fresh tape or yep. cold snap bands or whatever, however you use it, you're, you're fresh for the season. You know stuff works. Because stuff, you know, people don't realize that uh, rubber bands wear out. I mean, everything wears out, and especially if it's in sun or in cases the whole year, it it can get damaged pretty pretty bad. And the worst thing you can do is leave your rods with with a load on the tip or a dead minnow on the hook, because that minnow <laughs> will be super crunchy. Yeah, but I mean that's gross. But you, if you leave a load on the tip, you're going to bend that tip. Yes. Yes. You know, if you get a noodle rod, if you get one of our bow whips and leave it leave it kinked or fold it over in the case, or, that's I mean, never coming back. No, um, we've got a picture on our on our on the tuned up website where we did that experiment. Do you remember that? Yes, and they they will eventually come back if you work at them, but they're they're damaged. I mean, it's it's, damaged at that it's like leaving a spring, you know, bent in the other way. It will take a set and it, it will never come back. Yeah. So, oh, so assuming that you've done your prep at the end of the season well. Now it's time to start getting yourself set up for how am I going to get this season kicked off well? How am I going to be ready to go when the ice hits? Because I don't want to be, I don't want to be starting this process when the first ice shows up and then I'm missing out on that hot bite. So well, let's be honest. It's miserable to tie up and spool in your garage when it's t- twenty below. Oh yeah. Do you want to do this in the comfort of your basement when it's nice out, or even outside in September, October? Yeah. When it's easy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is a short window of a buying season, too. You want to buy those products early. You know, you want to get your line, get your jigs, get everything ready so you're not spending a ton of time searching for it online. Because yeah, everyone's had that experience where they go into, you know, a Cabela's or a Fleet Farm and it's it's only January and there's there's no product. No. People have gone and picked it all over. Tip-up line is the biggest enemy for me because I usually don't tip-up fish until January because... I love right, you know, fishing with a rod early. Yep. Um, so I don't think about tip-up fishing or ice fish uh, pro fishing until we get to that point. And then, oh, there's no tip-up line. So I'm using stretchy stuff from three years ago. Yeah. Because yep. I've done this, you know, two years in a row now. Yeah. So I really, 
always start off my time by making a list of things that I need. What did I what did I run out of? What do I need to have in stock ready for this year so I'm good to go? And trying to get that as soon as possible. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, like if you're planning on ordering a, a custom rod or if you're planning on doing something like that, you've got to do that. Well, get, you got to start now. Get it in early. I mean, there's no – it's no better time to – order in September and October while the manufacturers have all the stock where stuff's just starting to come in and you're not waiting for it December 15th when you need it December 16th. Yeah. If you order a custom rod right now, what's our lead time? Four weeks. And what's our lead time in December? Four to five, six weeks, somewhere in there. It gets, it gets bad. And plus we have, uh, you know, there's, there's triple holidays during between Thanksgiving and Christmas. You have a lot of holidays. You have a lot of time where people are spending time with their families. It gets to be very tricky shipping. And shipping times are also delayed. So you want to get that order in. I mean, waiting on an order now is no big deal because you're not going to be able to use it. No. But waiting in December, that's a, that's not a fun feeling. No, not at all. Not at all. And I'm I'm an immediate guy. I want I want instant gratification. So it uh, it waiting is hard. Hopefully this year, you know, we're going to have plenty of things in stock for people. But if you want to have your name on it or if you want to have those colors on it, you got to get that order in for sure. So, Dan, I got a question for you. What yeah. do you do for braid on your ice reels? Because I know that's a – it's been a hot topic for me because I've tried every different way, backing with mono, backing with electrical tape, backing with foam tape. I'm just curious what people use because electrical tape um, I thought was the be-all, end-all last year and – this year I pulled my reels apart and they're just gooey yeah. on the inside. That's like, well, this was worse than the mono backing. I, you know, I'm, I'm still experimenting with it. I like to have braid on all of my walleye reels. So anything that's going to, that I'm going to be jigging a bigger jig, I want to have braid on it. Yeah. Cause there's no stretch. You get a little better feel. Yep. And I like to use the suffix 832 ice braid. That's, that's my favorite. Although I did just see that suffix is coming up with another new, ice braid i don't know if you've seen that yet. no i haven't is I it like a nanofill braid I, I don't know exactly i know it's a lower price point than the 832 so i don't know if that 832 gets pretty brutal swapping on a couple of reels a year yeah you, you know you get one spool and that fills about one rod that's it gets it gets up there so if what i do what i've been doing um initially i always bought the fluger president reels because the fluger president are braid ready they've got those little bands those little uh, strips of rubber yep. on the reel itself on yep. the spool and that makes it super easy to tie on braid um do they seem to wear out though yeah i mean like not, after a cut you know two three years it seems like all that stuff just they just falls yeah, apart. They, they don't seem like they're designed for the cold as well i love i love them in open water love the presence they're smooth they're really affordable for the quality that you get but i've transitioned now over to the akuma reels and they do not have that braid ready thing um, and I've tried the mono backing, but you've got such a small amount of line on there. Yeah, you get when you three, go to three wraps on there, you're halfway. And you go to tie your knot, and that knot's going to interfere with that for the rest of the season, and that drives me nuts. So what I've been doing is I take just a tiny sliver of of uh, electrical tape. I don't put, I don't wrap it all the way around the spool. I just want it to cover from the top of the of the grooves to the bottom of the grooves in and one spot. Are you going hard, yeah, you're going horizontal Horiz- versus wrapping around the base of the spool. Correct. Yep. Ah, yeah. okay. So just like a, just like the presidents have just a, a vertical strip that I say going up yeah. and down. Yeah, that's yeah. what I want. And I want it to just be enough to cover just the 
just the part that has the, the grooves in it for the line. That makes sense. And that, that seems to work. Plus, it's a lot less cleanup, you know, when you're when you pull ta- it off. taking off. It's a little strip yeah. to clean up versus a huge stripe all the way around the base of the spool. Well, and I, I can get usually a couple seasons out of ice braid. Yeah, as long as it's not left in sunlight, braid lasts. It, it, it lasts seems a long, like time. a long time. My open water stuff, I can't say too much because it sits in the boat and yeah, gets cooked. Exactly. I've never had a problem with it slipping on the spool. It's always worked pretty well when I've got that little that little strip on there. Yeah, if it ever does slip on the spool, it is the worst feeling when you set yep, the hook yeah. and you're into a lake trout and it just spools you because there's no pressure on your base of your spool. Yeah, I and I, I've not had to deal with that issue, thankfully, and I've hooked into some pretty big fish using that method, and it's worked pretty well. So are you, as far as real connections, are you a band guy or a tape guy? I'm a I'm a tape guy. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not a band guy at all. I'm a band guy on panfish rods <laughs> that I need to swap out, but I I've been using tape the last couple of years, especially that non or that self adhesive mm-hmm. like 3M70 tape. It's it's amazing stuff. My favorite's the clam tape. Yeah, which the is blue I'm clam pretty tape. sure it's the clam. I mean, it's probably all the same type of stuff. That's that's hard to get the clam tape. I don't know why it's hard to find, and it's not it's not cheap. No. But I find that to be the best. the The second best is the is it's like gray 3M tape. It's like rubber. It, yeah, it, and it it works. It works amazingly awesome. well. It's not it, there's no adhesive in it. It's self adhesive, so it's never going to stick and make gooey residue on your cork. Yeah, I can't stand the bands personally because it leaves grooves in them. Yeah, and if I want to move my my handle around or my cork around, or my, I'm sorry, my reel around, those grooves are going to be there forever. Well, and if you nick that self-adhesive tape it just comes right off you just nick it and it you can peel it off and it's it's done and redo it so last year i learned a little trick um from one of the canadian guys up there that you take the 3m self-adhesive tape and then you wrap electrical tape over the top of that to even get a stronger connection especially on bigger rods like the commander or you know any lake trout rod that doesn't have a real seat and then do it that way and it actually is like a double that sound, that that actually makes a ton of sense because I was up on Winnipeg this last year, this last February, and I was using one of our rods that is yet to be announced, and I was crushing, just monster, obviously Winnipeg walleye, and I broke the tape. Yeah, I've never had that happen before. I set the hook on a, a, a you know a big Winnipeg walleye, and the electrical, not the electrical tape, the uh, 3M tape snapped. And then what do you do? You know, yeah. then you're then you're in trouble. Yeah, well, if you're real, I had a real fall off on Leech Lake about five years ago. I hooked into a, not a very big walleye. It was 24 inches, but I set the hook, and um, at the time I was using bands, and one of the bands must have been nicked because the other one let loose. And yeah. So I had two bands in the front, and just I had to hold onto the reel and kind of pray because it was the most. Uh, it's, it's you're if, riding a bicycle without handlebars. Yes, when, once you grasp that reel and you're trying to hold it onto the rod you don't realize that a fish is that strong yes. and so you have no advantage the leverage becomes the other the other way real fast yeah and there you're trying to kind of hold on to two things at one time so you put one you put a layer of the 3m tape and then you put the electrical tape on top over of the top so then you have all the benefits of you know stretching electrical tape even harder than what you can stretch the 3m tape but you have no residue that's genius yeah it was I mean, it was a Canuck that sits on a Jiffy Ice Auger and spins around in circles. <laughs> <laughs> that's for that's, I've seen that. Guy. That's for another day. But uh, yeah, it, it's uh, his name is Gambler, and he was the most interesting Ontario 
fisherman I've ever seen in my life. That, I, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I've done it before where I put electrical tape as my main connection, but before that I put a layer of blue painter tape down. Yep. And then, so that protecting the cork. Yeah, and I just, I gave up on that because then I try to s- swap stuff. And I mean, it is kind of, for me, it's a little bit about protecting the cork, but then at the same time, I, I like to swap stuff out and, and change things. You know, if I'm laker fishing, I want it more dead center in the rod because I rarely am in a house and I want it to jig it more, the rod basically horizontal to my body. And then where other fishing, I'm, you know, jigging a little bit more finesse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I use a lot of the same rods. I, I used um, basically two rods for walleye and laker fishing all year. Yeah. One, for me, when I got into the custom rods, I was really put out by not having a real seed. Yeah. I, it was real hard for me not to to cope with not being able to take my reel off and move it around. But, I mean, it's a really good reason why not to. Yeah, because it's the biggest thing is you can adjust it. And that's why that, you know, you tape it on because then you can, you, know, you can adjust. Even with that 3M tape, you can tape on the butt and you can kind of wiggle it down a little bit if it feels a little off or whatever. And if you ever do get stuff on your cork you can take that comet oven cleaner stuff mm-hmm, the, the mm-hmm. sprinkle i don't know it's like white dust in a can you can spray it on the cork and scrub it and it comes out perfectly clean really really clean i've got some dirty cork at home yeah it's it's amazing stuff it's amazing stuff well and watching some cork handles be built with real seeds there's a lot of parts there's I a mean, lot you're of parts. putting a lot of weight into the rod but you're, yeah you're also setting it you know people don't realize like ice rods there's we're not, we're not fighting sharks yeah. Or fighting panfish, smaller fish. There's not a lot of pressure on that. And having the rod so light, it really opens up the whole feel of the rod. Absolutely. You so. can de- you get way more sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Now, on that same idea, what do you think? Do you think there's a big difference between split grip and straight grip for sensitivity? I, I think split grips are more sensitive because you, you can do. feel the blank. Yep. Do you think that's the case for noodle rods too? No. I, noodle rods are a sight rod, so you can't really... And I actually use a lot of straight grips on my noodle rods because I like the reel set back a little further because I end up kind of angling the rod tip up. Sure. Because I want to be able to see it. I try to, as sad as it sounds, I like to look at the rod tip on the black background of my house. No, I know exactly what you're saying. Because if I look at the snow, I can't. You can't see it. Yep. it gets, yeah, it gets washed out. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what you're saying. Or you put a little rat, black wrap tip if you're doing a lot of snow watching. Cause then just add a little, yeah, add, you, you a little contrast there. The other color of it, but then in the house, then you can't see it at all. I have not found much of a difference in sensitivity personally, but I like the split grip better just for the way it feels. The angle, yep. I just feel it feels more comfortable in my hand. Yeah, and everybody's a little different. What you can feel in your hand versus the next person is is different. But in a precision or a medium light carbon rod, I think it's a split grip's a huge advantage. Now, the one time that you're really going to want a straight grip, though, is if you're reusing a rod holder. Yes. Don't use a split grip. Yeah, that's a nightmare. Like an iFish Pro setup, it's Or like awesome. the Otter, the yep. Otter rod holders. Yeah, and you, you use Otter houses, right? Yep, yep. Yep. So, I mean, Otter rod holders are straight grip only yeah. type things. Yeah, if you put a split grip in there, it'll hold it. But it's real hard to get it back out. Yeah, it's 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 very difficult I've, to pull out. I've definitely fought a few fish with the rod holder still attached. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's a, I mean, it's an issue that you have to deal with sometimes. But So do you do anything to prepare your reels in general? I mean, I'm probably the one extreme example. I tear them down, nut 
I mean, every, everything's out of the whole reel. I scrub them. I degrease them with Dawn degrease to throw them in an ultrasonic and then regrease them with cold weather grease. So they are not going to freeze no matter what. I do not do that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's anyone that does I that. don't do that. Because like the Okumas, they were solid last Bullet year. As far as, I mean, we, the tuned up does a great drag washer upgrade. Yeah. It's five bucks. It's a piece of cake. I've never had a real failure except for on my Fluger presidents. Yeah. So I've they're known for freezing up. I, uh, Patriarchs, um, we had a couple people a few years ago that had Patriarchs that were freezing up like crazy. What Mine have never frozen, but my instant anti-reverse goes out. That's what I mean. That, that bearing, it's a roller bearing that has like little basically cylindrical tubes in it and when mm. they get cold they freeze yeah and it doesn't work yeah and that's not fun to try to fight a fish when you when it's trying to back reel on you and you're not ready <laughs> no to i can see that being an awesome yeah. adventure <laughs> yeah that's not that's not the best feeling no i definitely don't get that extreme with my real care i probably should i mean i guess when you count up how many reels i have there's a pretty good investment in them i usually just keep them inside my house during the summer and yeah. then when it's time to put them on i change the line and i i retape them and I, I wash my reels too. One of the big things I found, like a lot of the, like, depends on what reels they are. They get old grease and old crap on them, and I just wash them. Yeah. And simply just throw them in the, you know, don't put them in the dishwasher, but just kind of scrub them, rinse them. Get all the I, sh- old I should probably do that. It it's, sounds minimal, but it's one of those things that you can get some of the, I mean, like mine, I always have dead minnows on everything. Like no joke, it, they're everywhere by the end of the season. My 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 tackle cases definitely do. I find minnow heads on my spoons all the time. Yeah, my Markham case is like where all minnows go to die. So like <laughs> when I pull it out, it's all these little dead bodies, and I don't know why they all go in the back of the case, but they do. Probably you're pinching them off and throwing them on the ice. No, and... it's always full ones. It's never oh, a. It's, full... it's never a, a. It's rarely a tail. Are you dumping the bucket, your, your minnow know. bucket, too close to Or it? I put them in my pocket. You put minnows in your like pocket? Like live minnows in my pocket. When you go into a new spot, you just grab three, four minnows, throw them in your pocket. That's gross. Yeah. I put them in the striker, in the strike basket. That would be a smarter idea, but. Or that, uh, what was that? Producer Tom, what's that thing called that you you put the minnows in and it's like a can and it, you twist it and it like makes them go up? You know what I'm talking about? You have one of those. I know what you're talking about. I can't remember what it's called. Is it a bait up? I don't. I don't know. It's a oh whatever. That's what I, that I've used that before too. I finally bought a angle cooler last year to yes. store minnows in, which has been a lifesaver. But the lid still freezes completely shut every single trip. I have an angle cooler too. I named him Bill. <laughs> you know, like Bill, Bill Angle. <laughs> that's a, that's really sad that it, you named your cooler. But it, it's easy to remember. You just say, "Hey, did anyone grab Bill?" Everyone knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm a dork. (laughs) I had one of those coolers, and we were up uh, in Ontario this year, and it was so frozen solid to that lid that I could not even crack it open. I've heard chapstick. If you take chapstick and... Well, chapstick on otter zippers and clam zippers is the most amazing thing ever. Yeah. Just take chapstick and go right around Just make sure you use the SPF Around that, uh, the silicone seal. Yeah. That works. I'm sure it would. I'm I'm telling you, it does. It It works on zippers for winter. Have you had any problem with your um, the bubbler? Because I've had to go through like three of the angle bubblers before I went and bought a Rapala one. Uh, I've had zero problems with my bubbler. Mine is like, but it does freeze at like negative twenty five, negative thirty degrees. It freezes and never works. So you got to like put it in your jacket pocket. My thing was it was loud. Like, it, it's loud. super loud. Yeah, the the one from I think I think I got a Rapala one. 
seem to work a lot better. Well, all those are kind of a trial and error. I mean, they're, some of this gear that we're talking about in preparation is not that expensive. It, it, you know, no. It's 10 12 15 bucks. But by getting it now versus getting it in the middle of the season and then trying to have to try it out is awful. That's a lot harder. So what rod case do you use to store all your rods? Last year, I switched to the Shields case, the Shields hard-sided case. It's a pretty solid case. Dynamite. Yeah. And I had already had uh, two of the Otter Sportsman cases that I'd been using. And I love the Otter Sportsman case. That is a bulletproof case. It, it is really one of the best you, cases still You can there. You can drive over that thing. Well, uh, no, you can't. Oh, you can't. I, yeah. I've had, never we, tried We had it. a customer bring one in late season. It was like March, and he drove over it. Um, all it did was bend all of the hinges and like crack the top. So but the rods are fine? The rods were okay. I don't know how they survived. So I guess I don't recommend driving yeah, don't over your drive auto sportsman over it case. It. If you want to see it, it's still at the shop right now. <laughs> it is a trash pile of a case. I liked the sportsman cases a lot, but I couldn't fit all my rods in them at once. So I wound up having a panfish case. you buy a case. second case. That's what I did. I had a panfish case a and a walleye case. case. And it just got to be a lot to handle. So last year I switched to the reels to the shields case and I liked it because I didn't have to, to tear down my reels or which I didn't do in my sportsman. I just shut it hard, which is obviously not good for your reels. Oh uh, no, you can bend handles. And if you bend handles, most of the handles on all these reels, other than the, the Okumas are all cast. You can bend them once and, and they're, then they're broken. broken. Yeah. yeah. You can't ever bend them back. I really liked the shields case. It had a ton of room. It wasn't much heavier. It wasn't, really all that much bigger it was definitely not bigger than two sportsman cases no and that's so i i go a lot lots of times when i go it's like for a half day trip with my kid now so we pack three rods in there of mm -hmm. mine three rods of his a little bit of tackle and i'm done i don't need a tackle bag it cut down on the amount of gear yeah tremendously well and i've got three little kids at home and you know when i'm on the ice the rods are cared for but when i'm home they're cared for yeah. You know, when that case is sitting on the garage floor, I'm not worried about it. No, that, case, that Shields case is pretty, very nice. And that's huge. You know, it's 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 hard to buy something for that price. They're not cheap at all, but they're about the price of one custom rod. It's an investment. And I if mean, I have eight custom rods in there, I mean, it would be really irresponsible to have them in a bucket. Or yeah, that's, and it, that's a soft a, case, which is what I used a, to use. A bucket's five bucks. It doesn't protect anything. It's actually like the death of most fishing rods. I had when I before I got into the custom rods. Before I started here at Tuned Up, I had you know a lot of ugly sticks and a lot of um, uh, Abu Garcia you know rigs, and I kept them in a soft sided Cabela's case, and that was fine. It, they carried it. Were, were you in the vintage of the ready rig ice rod case with the sheepskin interior? No, 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 okay, no. Okay, if anyone remembers those, you'll remember getting a like a Nils jigging wrap stuck in the sheepskin, <laughs> which is permanent. The the jig it's the, gone forever. It stays there, and that's it. It will never come out. It'll never hook you again because it buried itself. It was basically a, a ten inch piece of plastic tube in this crappy soft sided case. They worked, but they'd hold only two rods. And you still had to fold the handles, and they would still break constantly. You no, know, we had a very different bag experience. Yeah. I had the, the mine was black, and it was zippered, you know, and you could open up like a like a real long suitcase, like a real long duffel bag, basically. Oh, but there were was there hard sides to it? Nope, it was all soft side. Okay, yeah, but it was the, padded. Yeah, we had the tubed soft sides. And they Tubes were, are the death of rods. Yeah, they're bad. They're bad. They're bad for rods. But that I still have that 
Cabela's case, and I keep all my old rigs in there for if I'm taking out my nieces and nephews or whatever, I, I'll have something that they can use. And I'm not worried about the rods getting broken because they're not expensive. Um, well, ice fishing it, is a what people don't realize it's a it's a hard sport. I mean, it you fall and it's you're broken. I yeah. mean, you break gear, you break arms. And I mean, I you know. Three years ago on Valentine's Day morning, um, I snuck out before my wife knew we were going ice fishing. Um, thought it would be a great idea to get four or five hours ice fishing in. And I walked on the ice without ice spikes, which is probably one of the most important things to have is a good pair of ice bikes yes. that fit. Yes. I slipped on the lake, caught myself, thought I was fine. I realized I had broke my elbow tried to fish for another hour but my arm kept going numb <laughs> and i couldn't get my sweatshirt on or off because it was so swollen so i had to call you know wave the flag of defeat and call my wife and she had to pick me up and drove me to the hospital that is that's full karma right there yep. you, and you definitely got that back to she you. will never let me forget it because it was on valentine's day yeah that and she, you were sneaking out yeah, and i was <laughs> before you were going to take her fishing no, I was. We were gonna go out for like a dinner. Like oh, I was, thought you said you were to take her ice no, fishing. No, my wife doesn't like ice fishing. <laughs> no, it was, it was karma. It was like, yep, yeah, let's go out to dinner. Oh, I can go out and you know, I was figuring like I'd be back by nine o'clock in the morning. She wouldn't even know. Nope, nope. nope. It was honey. Karma. Come rescue me and take me to the hospital and don't get your date. Yep. Happy Valentine's Day. Yep. <coughs> That's. Hilarious. I would recommend not. You know, good pair of ice bikes. I personally use stabilizers. It's the big platform Velcro on your boots, but I have yeah. giant boots, so Catulas and all those don't really fit. Yeah, I use the ones that we get at school because the school gives them out to employees, so they don't slip when they're walking into the into school. Well, slips and falls in the wintertime, it's a pretty serious thing. Oh yeah, especially you get older and you know break a tailbone, break an elbow, break an arm. It's it can be. I mean, I was out for a legit. 24-hour period before I was back working. <laughs> <laughs> that's a record. No. That's, I, that's bad. I was out for a, a solid week of very intense. Well, and you're still dealing with it. Yes. So if just all recommended advice, please buy a good pair of ice bikes. And one of the biggest things I found out with ice bikes, scrub them before you put them away. Oh, yeah. Uh, I get all that salt and whatnot. We're completely bright orange and yeah. not sharp the next season. Yeah. And mine have sheet metal screws. That's The stabilizers are cool because they're basically a rubber um, truck. What, like a chain? Like no, safety like chain? A, a mud flap. Like basically a mud oh, okay. flap with screws in it. They're huge. Really? And they work amazing. That sounds crazy. And now I'm so fearful of slipping on the ice. I have a pair of lacrosses that I screwed sheet metal screws into. <laughs> and they work even better because then they don't come out. But don't you can't drive with sheet metal screws. Oh, interesting. It rips your brake pedal up completely. You gotta be really really committed to drill screws into the bottom of your shoes. Um actually it was it's a very old pair and it works amazing. Short little quarter inch ones. You put twenty of them in there. It's, You're not it, going anywhere. No, and I use them all the time. I use them for plowing snow, and it actually works really, really well. I find that for the spikes, if if they get on, if they go on and off the boot relatively easily, that's important because I t I have to take them off. Yeah. I can't use them. I can't leave them on there all year long. You know, if I'm going to go, 
you know, walk around in a store or whatever. I'm not going to want to walk around with my spikes on. People aren't going to be, <laughs> no, appre- they're not going to appreciate that. Target and yeah. walking through their clothing no, department with spikes on. Yeah. No one wants to see that. Or if I'm heading to Cabela's or whatever that, yeah, no one wants to see that. So no, I have a dedicated pair of boots that I use because it's only usually a short period of time where it's slick ice. Yeah. Um, one other thing about ice safety, spud bar, uh, last year I spud barred my way through all kinds of stuff and fell in because of my spot. I mean, that was late in the season too, that you went in. Well, I fell in twice. So I fell in early season and late season. So if we want to talk about that, but early <laughs> season, um, it was when we had all that slush. Yeah. On the, up where you are. At. Yeah. So we were up in Brainerd and we had a ton of slush. Yeah. So my spud bar, it was really good for identifying pockets where there was no ice, mm-hmm. which there was good ice in spots, but where there was tons of snow, there was no ice. So, Basically, what happened is I walked out. I mean, it was still shallow, so I only fell in like a foot and a half of water. Yeah. It's still cold. It still goes over your boots, I found out, too. And it still counts as falling in. Yes. The other one was I did fall in completely. Um, but it's the spud bar. It's a lifesaver. I mean, it, it, you can tell that that thwack, if it's a solid hit, you can really feel it. If it's an empty thud, it can be terrifying. Well, I remember hearing... James Holst talk about how he's saves himself at least one splash every year with his spud bar. Yeah, and it also can create a bridge over the top of bad ice too. Well, I suppose it helps you, you pull yourself. Yeah, out. help you pull yourself up, or you can you know push it down in the the muck or whatever, and, and get yourself a sec. You know anything helps. And a float suit, uh, I would never go ice fishing without a float suit ever again. Before I get into the float suits, I, I will say spud bars are one of those products that are sold out immediately. Yeah. I, so if you don't get them, they're gone. I buy mine in like September, and I have two of them, and they are treated like gold. They actually go with me all the time now Yeah, because it's one of those things that if if you ride with snowmobiles, spud bar can be invaluable for chipping out ice mm-hmm. out of the tracks. Or if you sink a sled, it can even work like to pry up the track. Yeah which we did that on Terrell. We, we sunk a sled basically up to the middle of the hood in slush. <laughs> so having that thing that you could kind of push against would have been awesome on that trip, but that went somewhere down in the bottom of some lake in Ontario. That's a shame. Yeah. So onto the, to the float suits. Yeah, I, that's a huge piece of technology. I know for my wife it makes her feel a lot more comfortable because I, I spend uh, the vast majority of my time ice fishing by myself at night after work. Yeah, and that's what I mean, that's what the sport is golden for. It's 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 guys like us we can go out for 2-3 hours, enjoy a little bit of time mm-hmm. alone, you know, decompress out there. Yeah. But put the kids suit, to bed. I mean, have have dinner, put the kids to bed and then I go out and I get a couple hours in. I mean, it makes you feel better, right? It's yeah. that little bit of comfort. It's like wearing a life jacket in a boat, you know. But yeah, if I'm out there all by myself on light on ice and I and I know that I'm by myself and I've got that float suit on, it is definitely an added insurance that I I've never had to use it. I've never felt I've never felt a float suit floating before, but I'm glad to have it. I know I bought the bibs first, and uh, I wore uh, just a Carhartt jacket over my bibs for the first season, and I actually had vivid nightmares about myself falling in and having just my feet sticking up. Because I didn't have the top on. Well, and if you ever like, if you ever get a pair of Carhartt soaked, you, those things weigh a um, ton. Yeah, Carhartt. I mean, I love my Carhartt jacket. I had Carhartt bibs that I love too, but they are not. 
They just didn't work. They, you'd bend down to scoop a hole out, and your knees would get wet, and then it's, you're done. You're wet well, all the, day long. The striker makes a good pair of bibs. Clam makes a good pair of bibs. Um, one the new strike master bib. Yeah, strike master makes a good pair. They're they're all they're they all work, and it's one of those added insurance things that really improve your odds. You know, first ice can be dangerous. And I'm comfortable in my bibs. I have a, I have a pair of striker bibs, and they're not they're very comfortable to sit in. Yeah. You you've got room to move. You got they're they're flexible, which for how big they appear to be, they don't feel big when you're wearing them. Now, what b- level of I have a climate. You have a climate, and yeah. I run a Predator because I really like the lighter weight material. Yeah. Um, and I know a Predator works. I fell in in Ontario last year in the dark, which was the most terrifying awful. experience ever. And I fell off a snowmobile into a river. <laughs> so it's kind of a funny, funny thing to picture. <laughs> it's a it's a crazy story, but it, when you fall in, you hit that. That, I mean, I don't know how deep I fell in. I wasn't really sure. I was very disoriented because I was on a snowmobile and I kind of crashed into the side of the broken ice. Yeah. Um, but you go in for a second and it's like this huge rush of water. But I was able to get out right away mm-hmm. and kind of roll because I don't think I was completely in. I was in enough that it was over my belly button. Like, yeah. Because that's where the water level was. Yeah. But you roll out and all that water drains out. And, you know, we hopped back on the sled and kept going because I was still close enough to the guide mm-hmm. at that point. But I froze. That whole suit froze. But I wasn't actually that cold. Yeah. And it was, it was like 10, 15 below zero um, Fahrenheit. And it was, it was awful, but that suit probably saved my life. Oh, yeah. If you would have tried that in a, in a, a non- hard suit, I would have been done. You'd have been done. You probably would have been a hard time getting out of the water yeah it wasn't i mean it was hard getting out of the water and back on the ice but it was not terrible yeah and i still don't know how deep it was but i couldn't touch bottom i didn't and and it was also you're not trying to touch bottom either no it's not like i'm gonna check how deep it is no um it was me the hell out of here it was eight o'clock at night yeah and it in canada eight o'clock at night in january it is so dark because there are there's no city lights no it was pitch black. All yeah. I could see was a snowmobile headlight. Yeah. And were you alone on the boat on the snowmobile? No, I was with the guide because we had to ditch most of our gear, and mm. we ended up having to ride tandem back because we had issues with if you'd ride with one guy, we weren't bringing enough people back, and we had some sled issue. We had every kind of issue that ever you could ever imagine. On this a sounds like a story that we need to hear at some point. Yes, it is. We have to bring in the um, two guys that I went with because it's almost. It's almost one of those stories that it was unbelievable because at some points we anticipated death. All right. Well, let's tease it at that spot. Yeah. Because I would definitely want to hear the rest of that story, but I, I don't know. It's a whole podcast of, of, of a story. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Um, but yeah, that float suit saved my life. So I, I do the climate because I, I like to have the flexibility of the insulation layer. Yeah. I've never actually used the inner liner on my on And my see, that's, I never. had a climate suit for a long time and I never used inside layer on the bibs so i just said well you know as they wear out actually heaters love to burn those things yes they do um my ice spikes get them because my torso is longer than my legs so yeah my but you you can fold them up you can i i did it wrong apparently but the the spikes will eat the bottom of those bibs too yes but i love that climate suit i use it in the fall for when i'm on the boat i use it all the time the jacket i hardly ever use the liner in the jacket either but 
it's just they've got pockets everywhere. It's just nice to know that you've got something that's dedicated for what you're trying to do. Well, even in the fall time fishing, if you fall in, yeah, you got a life jacket, but at least that striker suit, it, it's another option. Yeah. And it's waterproof. It works it, good yeah. for a rain jacket. It does work very good as a rain jacket. Very, very good. For sure. All right. So the other thing that I love to do at this time of year, I did some of this yesterday, actually today, now that I think of it, is um, scouting. You get out on the water at this time of year. And you've mark got your, those GPS points. Mark those points. Now, for me, I don't have, I, I don't keep the GPS from my boat and use it in the winter. I know a lot of people are popping their hummingbirds off their off their boats and, and putting them on the ice kits and bringing them out of their house with them. But I've got waypoints marked on my hummingbirds on my boat, and then I'm driving over them now and transferring those to the Navionics app on my phone, uh, so I know how to get back to that spot. Um, I was out on the water today. Um, and I had a mechanical issue with my trolling motor, so I couldn't fish. And I'm like, you well, always have a mechanical issue with your trolling motor. Yes, I do, John. I do. I wish I had a new trolling motor. I wish I had a new boat. Oh well. But I had, I know, I didn't want to just quit and go home. So I went to the spots that I knew that I had marked on my GPS that I wanted to keep for, for when the ice came around, and that's super valuable. Well, even just small little subtle changes, like mark them, it's so much easier to check out spots in a boat Mm -hmm. and then pinpoint them in the wintertime because you always can drill around a little bit. But, I mean, I've had where it's like, oh, yeah, it's off this edge of a point, and you're drilling holes for three hours. Yeah. I mean, last year I fished a lake up in Emily, Minnesota, and we had a really hot tip, like really good lake, and we literally missed the spot by 10 feet and drilled 400 holes in this lake <laughs> yeah. trying to find giant crappies and we missed there's an underwater spring and all the fish congregate to that underwater spring during, and, you, and, you, and we just missed it like yeah. couldn't we found the basin we found all these like little tiny structures and we missed the underwater spring which apparently every fish must just sit around like a fountain of life and so did you go back there with your boat this summer yeah, it's a, it's like super easy to find the boat because it's like the one spot of clear water in a mud-filled yep. lake. I mean, the water clarity on that lake was like two inches. And everybody's <laughs> like, oh, it's really clear where you, you find fish. I'm like, there was no clear water. And it had, I mean, we also were dealing with slush at that time. Yep. And it was, I got my truck stuck that morning. It was one of those trips. Like, you, I've got trolley motor issues. You've got, uh, you've got other issues. Yeah, I, I love, I love getting stuck in snow for some reason. Yeah. Um, especially when... You know, there's tons of slush on the lake. and The lakes were pretty, at least for me, they were in rough shape last year where I fished. Real bad in that central Minnesota area. Yeah. Down here in the cities, it wasn't it wasn't an issue, but no. up there it was bad. And Ontario was even worse for slush. Mm-hmm. They'd have slush pockets the size of football fields that yeah. were three feet deep. Mm-hmm. So speaking of trucks, I just got a truck this year. What do you do for truck prep prior to ice season? Uh... Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, easy. Okay, I could do that. No, usually I change the air filter. I do the kind of the, the fall type thing. You don't like have kitty litter in the back or boards? No, that'd or be way too smart. I, considering I buried my truck this year and couldn't get it out, and I had to call a bigger truck to get me out, I didn't have any preparation. So going back in time or going forward in time now love to have a shovel kitty litter some sand maybe a two by four because i literally hung my truck up in 30 inches of snow and i thought i could make it through like a like normal minnesotan male but you couldn't no it was actually 
we could barely open my doors. Do you ever air down your tires? Uh, not really. I mean, I do a little bit. I run them at like 36 in the winter time because they do, they squat so much more and they just, they get a little bit more traction. Mm-hmm. But my, you know, one of the big things is buy decent tires. Oh you know, yeah. I, dri- yeah. I do drive an all-terrain tire in the winter because my truck gets, I mean, it goes on ice a lot. Yeah. It usually, I don't drive too much like out to a spot because the lakes that I go to, it's like, there's no plowed road and mm-hmm. you just don't want to two years ago i did a little trailblazing and found out we were on 30 inches ice but off the sides of it was like 12 inches off the paved road oh. it's like not a good thing to just tear off and i mean and that's one of the just be smart about it yep yep yeah that vehicle traffic I, i'm never going to be the first vehicle out there no it's never. terrifying it's still ter- i mean that first time out on the ice like you know if you get out january it's a little nerve wracking, like driving yeah. your truck on the ice and hearing a flex and yeah, yeah, or watching it, cracks come through and or when you're out there when you walked out and the vehicle drives past you mm-hmm. and it's a little too soon. Yes, that's and you're just sitting there thinking, man, don't come this way. No, yeah, well, you get. To, I mean, I've watched I watched a truck F three fifty and a triple axle ice castle go through, you know pulling out and he was a little early everybody else had their ice castles out but but not triple axle triple ice. axle ice that's a semi truck was not dude, that ice gave way right at the launch i mean he dumped it in five feet of water that's the problem with the ice castles or the 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 fish houses is to get one that is usable for like a, a year-round rv you don't get very much ice time with that no i mean there's only a uh, a window of maybe eight weeks a year where you got what ice that's going to support that. Thing. Well, and also you have to kind of pre-plan all your trips. I mean, if you, if you, the single axle ones, you can get you can, you, oh, yeah. pretty early. A lot easier. You know, uh, an F-150 and a Chevy, uh, you know, a normal 1500 Chevy, you can get those out early. Yeah. Uh, one ton with a triple axle trailer, you're not getting that out early. No. Or late. You gotta have the right year for it. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough to have to deal with. So one prep that blessedly is no longer part of my life is dealing with two cycle oil on my in my uh you, in you, my strike master. You have the same prep that I do. You put the battery on and you go it goes beep 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 and you fire it up and yep. it fires up. The most wonderful sound in the world that your ice auger always works. I charge my ice auger battery in July, and that's it. And then I just leave it on my machine. And if everyone knows me, I have a streak with gas augers that is epic. I six for six. You blow them up. I blow them up. I mean, like not like they break. Like they blow up. I had one grenade at Crawford's camp that was epic. And like engine parts are on the ice. Yeah, it the flywheel broke in half and it got eaten through the motor. And yet somehow. Your 40 volt just keeps doing it. I'm just keeps eating. For second season with the 40 volt, and I'll never go back. I, I do I do uh, spray all the, the flights with silicone. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, you use the light flight? Yep. I use the light flight now. I didn't it, last year in the beginning, but I use a light flight. I still now. have the eight inch, just the steel bit, yeah. which, I mean, it's golden. The light flight, the, one of the biggest advantages, it's a weight thing, but the biggest advantage, it doesn't hold as much ice. Mm. as a metal one does sure because the blades are always kind of flexing 
So it that is tough. Falls. That is tough when you get the blades all gumped up with ice, and, and that's and that auger weighs fifty pounds extra because it's just a solid. And you of throw ice. it in the back of your Ford Explorer, and you drive home, and all of a sudden your Explorer is soaking wet. You know, you got to puddle back there because apparently that ice melts. That's why you have a truck. That's well, that's why I do have a truck <laughs> now, John. There's a difference between a truck for ice fishing and a, a Ford Explorer. Because, um, like, my Otter Cabin fits in my F-150 perfect. It is it is snug, but it fits perfect. And you just leave it there all year? Pretty much. I can't wait for that. It, I mean, I, I you know, you can definitely when, do all this in any vehicle that you have, but... I can't wait to have the tool that I want for it now. One of the biggest things is uh, getting it in and out of your vehicle. They're There's, way higher. They're way higher, and it's a lot more work. Do you? I was thinking about getting like a sheet of plywood and using that as like a pull-out ramp. You could do that. I just hook, I lift up the front and hook the front of the tub and then to the where it has an angle and you just push it up. Yeah. The high effects are not as fun because they have that edge yeah so what i take every year is you know file the high effects down so it's more of a smooth transition to as i can get hooked on the tailgate lip i definitely know i'm going to be doing that dance on the side of the road this year but yep i'm excited for it's, it it's uh or park back up to the snowbank that's, and ride it down that's it's, a smooth move it it works really well i've seen that move that works well but those 40 volt or those i electric ice drills in general just are amazing i i can't remember you know, maybe more than five or six times hearing a gas auger out last year. No, it was the fastest change of an industry I've ever seen in my life. I mean, Strikemaster put all their eggs in one basket and said, we're just going to build electric Kick, kick your gas, right? And I thought that is crazy. I mean, you, you went from a, what, 70-year history. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long uh, gas augers have been around, but at least 30 a long that time. I know of. I mean, the white lightning jiffy has been around forever. You don't hear those cackle ever on the ice anymore. No. And I had originally an old Tecumseh motor, Strike Master. They were bulletproof. It was amazing. The thing worked all the time, and I traded it up for a Solo, and I had trouble with the Solo. It was a, it was a cold-blooded machine. It did not yeah. want to run in the cold. And then that made the switch to the 40 volt a lot easier in my for me i think i bought your solo you did and i think you immediately blew it up yep i pretty much yeah sure i did i don't know what i do to gas augers but i don't either but i'm glad i didn't do it no i was was happy for you to do that (laughs) it's not fun actually the the last time i used your old solo was on a trip and my dad who i laugh at every time he brings out his tecumseh that's 25 years old and it's a one-pull machine. He pulls it out. They just work. And he runs it. And it literally, you're coated in oil because... Yes. And, they spit and, oil. And now it's like, ugh, I can't stand that. Because once you want electric, it's like, it's so much quieter. I don't stink like two-stroke anymore. When I had my 40-volt on, on Winnipeg the last two seasons, and you're drilling through 45 inches of ice. You know, you've got a 20-inch extension, and you're barely making it. And I, I was in um, a group of people, and... Um, I had my 40 volt and one of our other people in the group had one of the original ions. So not the ion X, but the yeah. original one. The, the real it's, was it before the, it was it a circle one? So the little metal circle ring around it. Yes. Okay. Yep. So they're older ones. They're the, it's one of the older ones. Um, but he went through two batteries to drill one hole. Oh, two batteries for what? And I'm like, that doesn't seem like it's quite right. No, it's probably his lithium cells are starting to 
be done. And I was able to drill all day. I didn't drill a lot of holes. It was 40 below. But I drilled. What's 40 below? You don't want to drill a lot of holes. I'm not drilling a lot of holes. But in my house, I drilled two holes in each spot, and we moved half a dozen times. So I probably ended up drilling, I don't know, 10 to 12 holes in that 40-inch ice, and I still had a half a charge on my battery. So that that being said, um, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts on the new 24-volt auger is because that's – Half the voltage. I mean, for a lot of guys, that's going to be all you need. I mean, it's I'm, super light. I'm intrigued by it. I was never uh, an adopter of the of the K drill or of the you know the drill powered bit. Yeah. I know that that's the light flight is a drill powered bit, and the reason I I never did that was because I didn't want to sacrifice my drill. Like, well, no, and you have you blew already blew up your drill this year too. I did. Yeah. So, thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> But I didn't want I, – I like to have dedicated stuff. That's why I run a Vexlar, not a Hummingbird. I want something dedicated for ice fishing. That's why I want a dedicated ice auger. Um, and using a drill and a bit separately is amazingly light. That's awesome. Well, but, first, I think where those shiners first ice, like you're going out with, say, I'm going to say conservatively six inches because yeah. that's what I tell my wife that the ice is. <laughs> Um, but you're going on in two, three inches, and it's spooky. You yeah. don't want to drag. I mean, you could push a 40 volt through. You're reducing the weight, and yeah. I get that. But for me personally, I'd rather carry around a couple of extra pounds and have a dedicated unit that I know is going to work. So I think the four, to the 24 volt is intriguing because it basically gives you the weight of the 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 drill and the and the bit without it being two separate pieces. Yeah. And I, th- I think, I mean, for a lot of guys with houses and stuff, that's going to be a huge, huge thing. Now, I don't know if I'm going to ever, I don't know if I'm going to make a switch. I definitely am not going to get rid of my Florida fold. No, that you couldn't pay me enough to get rid of that. I just, I love that auger and it. It's so awesome. It fires up every time. You know, if I was a, if I was a, a panfish guide and I'm going to punch 700 holes a day, then having something light like that, that would really be intriguing. But you might go end up going through even more batteries, too. You certainly could. I, yeah. You know, I think it's an intriguing design. I think it's intriguing. It doesn't yet make me feel like I am missing out with my 40-volt. No, I agree with you. Well, that's about all our time, so we yeah. should... Uh, so just remember, we've got time now before ice. Yeah. we got time. Think about it logically. Like, prepare your gear and, and, and be responsible about going on in first ice yeah. you know ice bikes ice safety it's Spud a huge, bars. huge thing i mean wear a life jacket wear a flotation suit and people think a flotation suit's expensive if your life's not worth 500 bucks you, you need to figure out something it's it's always worth it yeah you know because it's not if it's not if you need it it's when i yep. mean the, we're all going to run into a time where you're probably going to need it yep and take this time now to to stock up on those supplies that you need before the the inventory is low. You know, if you're if you're thinking about ordering an ice rod, ordering a custom rod, do it now. You're not going to regret waiting four mo- four weeks now, like you would regret waiting four weeks in December. Take the time, get those prepping done, and uh, you're definitely going to see an advantage when you get out on the ice. This has been the Iceman coming to you. Hope to see you guys on the next episode. I don't know if we're going to have a guest in the studio or not, but if we do, we'll get a chance to hear from them. Otherwise, it's just going to be John and I having another conversation about ice fishing or outdoors in general. Thanks for tuning in.